You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I'm Angela Ledgerwood, and this is Lit Up, a podcast about books, writers, life, and love, and all things literary. Welcome to this week's episode of Lit Up. I'm recording this intro from Tuscany in Italy, so if you can hear any birds twittering, that is why. Uh, I was lucky enough to interview Samantha Irby last week, and it was one of the most fun and gorgeous interviews I've had in a while, so I really hope you enjoy it. She's the author of Meaty and the creator of the blog Bitches Gotta Eat. And we're here to talk about her newest book of essays, which is called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. I think you'll get a sense of how much fun the book is from listening to this conversation. And I hope you all really enjoy it. We are so lucky to have Samantha Irby here. And we are going to get right into it. It's her pub day and she's going to read um, one of my favorite passages. The Bachelorette is my guilty pleasure jam. That may come as a surprise to some of you, but you should already know that a show where a woman is surrounded by 25 slabs of brisket, clamoring to brazenly drink her dirty bathwater and massage the corns on her toes in front of the entire country is 100% my kind of party. I love watching a man humiliate himself. I wish it was on every night particularly the introductory episode, when we get to meet all the software sales executives and tax accountants and telecommunication marketers as they line up in their finest suits, teeth flossed and smelling good, forced to do the, hi, please date me, tap dance women are perpetually performing. 
Seriously, I used to try to neatly cram everything remotely interesting about me into my, hey, nice to meet you, I am elevator pitch. Now that I know impressing a stranger isn't worth the effort, I don't do it anymore. I just assume every man I meet is bored and hates me. I can barely be bothered to give one a high five before writing down my email and saying, get at me if you want. So it is especially heartening to watch these smarmy, desperate clowns crawling all over one another like rats trying to get the attention of these free spirits and dog lovers who will eventually make them burst into real tears on national television. Thank you. Okay, so everyone can get a sense of what this book is filled with. It is... I, I We were just talking earlier. I haven't laughed so much and so hard in public and kind of made eye contact with people. And, like, I think I even had one interaction on the subway where I told someone, like, get this book. That passage spoke to me so much, like many others, because... Um, I wanted you to tell us about all the tasks you would have men do if you were the producer on The Bachelorette. Like all the things that we never, that we really need to know about what a man's, man's character's like. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I would make mine 100% realistic. I mean, I would be like, tell me how you would clean this humidifier <laughs> and then like watch him do it or like how do you change the filter in the air conditioner because I feel like it's super easy to fall in love when people are like delivering trays of like beautiful fruit to your like <laughs> island paradise every day but like do you know which like capsule to put in the dishwasher or whatever you know what I mean I feel like that's the kind of stuff that breaks. Whenever the bachelor or bachelorette couples break up, I always am like, he doesn't know how to change the cat litter. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, something real life that happened that's, like, probably small, and you would definitely learn about someone if you dated them the traditional way. So, like, my dream would really be, like, show separate this laundry and tell me what temperature you'd wash it on. And like, but wouldn't we want to watch that? I'd love to see men just doing I kind would of too. mundane household tasks. Yeah, that, I feel like that would be, if the person who was ordering them around had a good enough sense of humor, right? Because, like, the truth is I barely know how to, like, separate my clothes. So it wouldn't be, like, because I'm good. I just would need to know that they could do either as good or better of a job than I would at it. So I feel like if if the Bachelorette had a good enough sense of humor and, like, these guys could read, like, dry cleaning instructions or couldn't, and, like, that really is what disqualified you. Like, you have a million dollars and you look really good in a suit, but you don't know, like, how to put the duvet on the bed, then you you're, gotta you're go. At. Yeah, I feel like that... That would be my dream television. Because, like, beaches are disgusting. And, like, I don't want to watch two people, like, you know, like, when people are dating and they do the, like, laugh too much thing at each other. Like, I don't want to watch people, like, laughing on a roller coaster or in a helicopter. I want them to, like, still be funny while, like, 
picking lawnmowers out or whatever. And be able to understand sarcasm. Yes. Well, I mean, all of TV would be better if, if, that happened. if people uh, could both be sarcastic and understand sarcasm. I don't know. There, I feel like there is a market for this. I don't know that it would be on, like, prime time. Wait, aren't you? Isn't your foot, like, meaty going to be this? I mean, not uh, the well, Bachelorette. Wouldn't that be a dream? <laughs> Why don't if you I had my real brothers, like, I would make, like, a hybrid, <laughs> hybrid of the two. But the show, well, at least we turned in a, our first draft of the pilot, and now we're working on a second draft. The show is going to focus on at least at the beginning, like a super specific part of my life. FX was really into um, the relationship. I Oh, that makes it, I don't want to say relationship. The, <laughs> but no, that's the only word that works. The relationship I had with my friend's dad. So a quick backstory for people before mm-hmm. they think this is lascivious. I, when I was like 18, I dropped out of college. Both my parents had died and I was like, well, I'm done doing this. Uh, And I was just kind of like living in random places and I had all my stuff in my car and I ran into my friend's dad at this bakery where I worked and he was like, what are you doing working here? And I was like, (laughs) making $7.25 an hour and living in my car. And he was like, oh, listen, just come live with us. You can work for us. There, You can stay in John's old bedroom, which was, like, weird, <laughs> but also, That's like, so cool. cool. And, like, he essentially stepped in as my, like, surrogate dad, and I lived there off and on for years. I still, like, depend on him to do dad stuff for me, so... They really, like, loved that relationship, and there's nothing like that on TV. So that's where the the show, at least in the beginning, is going to focus, is on when I lived with him. And, I mean, the best part of both living it and, I think, being able to put it on TV is, like, I, you know, came from nothing, right? Like, I didn't have anything. And then... I was sort of, like, wealthy adjacent. You know, like, I didn't know that there were, like, more than four kinds of cheese before I lived there. I didn't know. So this is one thing we're going to put in the show because I feel like it's a real defining moment. I was doing, like, a lot of their – running their errands and, like, helping out and working for – he runs a graphic design business – And so I did, like, the grocery shopping and the laundry dropping off and all that. And the first time he sent me to Whole Foods (laughs) with a list, I was like... What is this place? uh, Yeah. First of all, I was, like, blown away that the grocery store had an elevator in it, which is, like... I mean, here in New York, that's nothing new, right? Like, last night we went to Dwayne Reed, and I was like, there's an escalator in here? What is this, <laughs> Narnia? So um, <laughs> I went to the Whole Foods, and I was like, there's an elevator in here? But then, so then I, like, get a cart, and I'm, like, trying to play it cool like I know what I'm doing. And he, there were vegetables that I, you know how they have, like, that wall of yes. lettuce? I was like, I didn't even know there was, like, 
I didn't know there was this much lettuce. And he had on the list, there was like bok choy and dinosaur kale. And like, for we have a real like jokey relationship with each other. And I was like, oh, ha ha, dinosaur. You know, like yeah, I thought yeah. he was making fun of me. And then I had to go get a dude and be like, so. Is this a real are, thing? What, are, what is a bok choy? And he was just like. You know, like where are you, where are you from? And it's not that I mean, I we I grew up in the same town, right? But like on opposite sides and at opposite income. So I had just never experienced anything really. So I think it was like funny from because I was like an yeah. alien. It was like Mork and Mindy. Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm gonna say. Our show is gonna be like Mork and Mindy. I love it. To uh, I'm from this world. He's from this world. I mean, I didn't know about like wine. I still don't really know much. But like they had like all this stuff that I didn't even know people did or needed. And then I was like plunged into this into world. It. So it's, I mean, I guess it's like a fish out of water kind of deal Sounds or odd couple. I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be funny. Well, it feels like the, you talk about this idea of a family unit and mm-hmm. having not had one or not even understanding what is a family unit? How yeah. do I fit into a family unit if yeah. I grew up without one? Yeah. So I guess. I love, I mean, could you talk about maybe how your your childhood and how that didn't exist for you? And then we skip to, I know we're going all over the L- joint it, just because it. we have no, to because you're it. like my, it's sparking so many ideas. Yeah, yeah. But then meeting Mavis and how how on earth are you coping in this new dynamic now okay so we better go back and then way forward and then we have to go back to some like fred talk (laughs) i need to go deep into yeah let's do it (laughs) that yeah okay we'll we'll get to him okay so i think early everything was so disjointed and like nothing was nailed down we never had enough of anything and like you i mean kids like adapt right and I knew that like my primary job was to get through school and then so I just sort of put my head down and did that while trying I mean because your mom that way she she had MS or yeah for your whole childhood yeah she was sick the whole time my dad was in and out mostly out and when he was in mostly drunk Mm. so then when I my mom went into a nursing home when I was 13 and I just kind of bounced around spent a year with my dad my junior year which was not that great and then just kind of like bounced around everywhere until I got done with school then I I found the freedom that like having a job brings right I was like well I can do what I want and I just have to make enough to be able to pay for this room where all my stuff is mm-hmm. and like and that yeah all <laughs> my lipsticks and my CDs I mean I don't even know if people know what those are anymore <laughs> but I bought a lot of those um and then I sort of so I had like this kind of wild time where I just did whatever um and it was very free to like not have anyone to answer to so I was like family shmamly then I lived with Mel and sort of had someone who 
was actually interested in, like, my coming home at the end of the day or, like, my not starting the day hungover. And so that was, like, weird. It was, like, nice, but then it was also, like... I don't want to tell you everything I do. I want to just let me live here and also do what I want. So that was our like constant Mm -hmm. back and forth where he was like, well, I'm doing the dad stuff for you, but then you got to do the kid stuff of like showing up and like showing me that you put your money in the bank and all that. So then I was like, well, I'm over this. So (laughs) I would like leave live in some sketchy situation, but, like, keep a box of clothes at Mel's and go back. And then finally I got stable and got this job and had a place, and it was all good. And I was like, this is really the best. No one is ever moving anything of mine, and I don't ever have to tell anyone anything I do. And now I am married to a woman who I have to tell everything I do all the time, and I hate it. But <laughs> That's what I love. The title is like, I'm in love, and I'm so bored. It is. It's bo- It's really boring. I think. I think Bad the enough. boredom is a. It's great, but I think the boredom is a little bit of a shock because you're told, not told, but we're conditioned, right? That like, once you find someone who loves you, that's the best thing. And it is, but I thought it was going to feel like fireworks shooting off, and it just feels like there's a board on the refrigerator where we write down what we're going to cook for the week. And, like, that is not what I was thinking it would be like, but it's way better than all of the super, like, tumultuous romance that I've had. What I loved about how you wrote about that, because... You only get a bit older and you feel like you're making better decisions, mm-hmm. but then, then you meet someone and you're like, but I so want the fire which comes with yeah. uncertainty, yep. getting that like hit of adrenaline when they mm-hmm. finally text you back, mm-hmm. even though if they really appreciated you, they would have <laughs> done it already. Yeah. But then you get it and you're like, oh, let's have sex. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. What is wrong with you? It's, I mean, everything, well, maybe not everything, but a lot of the things we've consumed, like growing up, your mate, like it's supposed to feel, and I'm sure like men have their own version of it too, right? The elusive woman who doesn't tell you her feelings and won't be locked down. Like there, everyone is like sort of has this idea that it's supposed to hurt and be uncertain and you're supposed to never know like when your feet are on the ground and it's like okay but after a while it's like man I just want to like know that this is a safe person who's like gonna pick me up from the hospital if I Mm -hmm. need them to or is gonna make sure these bills are paid if I don't and like again it's sort of I mean maybe this is my theme but it's sort of like with The Bachelorette, where you're like, man, if we could just get one episode of them paying some bills together and, like, talking about who should pay which one compared to who made what that month, then, like, just a little dose of, like, what it's really like and what is really, like, what you really should be looking, maybe not looking for, but 
what should like be okay for you to land on, you know? Well, there's that line you have when you start to date with intention. Uh, and yeah. that was so funny because I circled it and I thought, oh my gosh, like there is a moment yeah. in every man and woman's life mm-hmm. where you stop dating the DJ yeah. and, or you decide like even if you're online and you know now I, if it's like actor I go oh god like yeah. I, oh, I actually have a physical or musician even <laughs> yeah. though they're fabulous people but I've been with friends and we're like oh like mm-hmm. moving on you know not that they can't be rational people but when you've had all these cumulative experiences yeah. you go, all I can do is go forward judging on what people have been yeah. like in the past. Where is the dude that works at H&R Block or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, wait, let him. <laughs> one who has, like, one suit and, like, doesn't wear cologne. Or, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, like, real boring. I don't know. I feel like... So, uh, before I mess this up, in... I use a... I call my wife Mavis because we had an argument about who was better, Aretha Franklin or Mavis Staples. I picked Aretha. I mean, come on. I picked Aretha and she picked Mavis. Still going so, on. Yes. Till till the till I'm dead, I will die on the Aretha Franklin Hill. Um so but her name is Kirsten. And so I don't want to confuse anyone if I say Kirsten because that's Got her it. Got it. that's her real name. But I call I give everyone a pseudonym a pseudonym uh when I write about them. Because, I mean, one, it's funny. Two, they can never, like, 100% pin, <laughs> pin like, situations on me. They're like, wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that me who was with you that time? And I'm like, no, I didn't say you. So <laughs> I don't know if you're the one who barfed in my purse. Maybe somebody else did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens to you a lot. Yeah, like it, every time I go out, someone pukes in my purse. So no, I didn't tell all your business, but really, like, duh, yeah, I did. Um, but that's part of the that's part of the friend contract when you get to know me. Like, I I won't use your name, but you will see yourself maybe somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Wait, so the book is dedicated to a very special thing. Yeah, Klonopin. Klonopin. This was the my Klonopin year when I finally, like, before I moved, so I just moved to Michigan, but all my time in Chicago, I had never, and I've seen a lot of doctors, right, because my butt's been messed up for, for forever. I never, like, said to the doctor, listen, I'm anxious all the time, and I can't get over it and then I had like a couple of serious panic attacks which I'm I mean really I thought I was gonna die and because I always thought like come on it can't feel like you're gonna die and then it happened to me and I was like I feel like I'm gonna die and so they were the emergency room doctor was like you had a panic attack and I was like come on, I'm not even worried about anything. I'm so cool and casual. What do you mean? And he was like, yeah, no, it's not a heart attack. I was like, check the heart attack thing again. That had to be it. And he was like, no, you had a panic attack. And so I finally, like, talked to my doctor and was like, listen, can I, can you, like, help me with this? And so the first thing she did was teach me this breathing technique. 
Is it through the heart by any chance? Because a friend just told me about her breathing technique. No, it, so this is an, the Andrew Weil. I think that's who started it, the four, seven, eight breathing technique, where you breathe in for four, hold it for seven, and then let it out for eight. I'm going to let everybody who's listening to this I know everyone's right kind of... It's almost impossible. The holding for seven is so hard, and but the pushing out for eight is impossible. And it made me more anxious than, yeah. than I already was because I was, like, getting upset because I was messing up the breathing part. I'm like, come on, man. So then she was like, well, here, let's try some pills. And I was like, bingo. Um, and so I, I think... It was like I had just been working my job for too long, like 14 years doing the same thing and having it get progressively more hostile was too much. Uh, And then like just kind of being frank about my own just general anxiety. Um, And so I started taking Clonopin and I was like, well, this helps. And now I don't take it every day. I just take it like when I need it. But it was such a big like game changer for me. I think just sort of confronting like the the sort of feelings I was having that I decided to dedicate the book to it. Keeping on that cuz you the part I found one part I found really touching was talking about mental health mm-hmm. and also being an African American woman mm-hmm. and being like I came from this like mythical strong black woman mm-hmm. and I have a friend Elsie Fox who's spent a year documenting her depression on um like filming herself kind of for this very reason she was like where and she has this thing called the sad girls club mm-hmm. she was like no one's I'm feeling this and no one I don't have a place where I can share and yeah. I felt like it was so important in this book to go like, this is what I'm feeling, and I'm having a functional life, yeah. and I'm loving people, I'm going to work, but I'm still working through this stuff. Yeah. It's, I mean, and I only say this from my perspective, because I don't know what yeah. other people are exposed to, but it definitely felt like to admit it was, like, weak, you know? It also is weird when it's clear that other people around you are sort of depressed, too, or are kind of, like existing in this cycle of depression that you don't know how to get out of. Cause like I have a mom and then I have three older sisters who I think probably in like my mom definitely had some depression Mm -hmm. and some behaviors that I think stemmed from that. I can't imagine that my sisters weren't depressed and like nobody was ever like really talking about it. So then you feel like alone I think also when you don't have access to, like, I wasn't even seeing a physical doctor regularly, let alone, like, someone I could, like, talk to. Um, And then at least in my situation, there was always sort of the omnipresent threat of, like, we had such a tenuous kind of household going that, like, I felt like if I talk about this with people at school who I could talk to about it, they're going to pull me out like someone's gonna come investigate and then they're gonna see that this is worse than just a kid who's depressed this is a kid who's living like in poverty with a disabled woman who like can't keep the house clean or can't keep the kitchen stocked so I think 
like for kids, it's hard. But then there's also, I think, like when you are functioning, when it's like, well, my bills are paid and I'm keeping this job and I still have people who care about me. Um, it's like, well, maybe I'm beating it, right? Like maybe I'm not really depressed because if I, we have this like view of like if you're if you're not chained to the bed, then you can't be that depressed. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, I'm sure you could imagine the number of times people are like, "But you're so funny," yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "Well, I mean, that is a result of this like sort of pit of despair I'm climbing out of." But like, can we talk about the despair part? And I'm like, "But you're so funny. You're you'll be fine." And so then you kind of think, well. Yeah, like, I can, there are people who, like, can't get up and function in the world. Like, I'm, I can still go to things. I can still be nice. I still, I enjoy things. Like, look at this TV show I just laughed at. Like, I'm, I'm fine. So then, like, you trick yourself into thinking that it's not that bad. And it took me a long time to sort of, like, balance the two. Especially, I think, like when your trauma happens when you're young um the further the further i get away from things the easier it is to talk about it and i think it also is easier for those things to like be masked or to make you feel guilty you know it's like my parents died 20 years ago i can't still be sad about it like i gotta be something else right but but it's it's hard to because depression is so hard to talk about i think or for people to know what to say to you it's easy to just be like well this much this much time has passed i gotta stop talking about this or i gotta stop acting like this affected me and i think it would be cool if we, I mean, even if we don't have a solution, if we could just maybe, like, start talking about it more. And then I was like, well, then I should talk about it more (laughs) and talk about, like, uh, what it's it's been like or, like, the things that I, the things that the depression makes me think about. Um, And I feel that piece, like, in part was published, I think Cosmo and Elle published it online, Um, after I wrote about it in my blog and I got a ton of like emails from people who were just like, thanks for talking about it. I mean, I think that's another thing too, is you feel like, well, why should I talk about this if I don't have a solution? Like I don't have a number for people to call that's like, this will fix you. So then am I doing more harm by like bringing it to the surface and not offering a solution? But I think maybe the beginning of the solution is just everyone, like, kind of starting to talk about it. Yeah. And seeing that, like, it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't mean that you're not thriving in other ways. Like, just, I think if we start talking about, like, sort of the many forms it can take, then at least, like, starting the conversation is helpful. So... I I wanted to use, also, like, I can write about it in a way that doesn't, like, you know, put me down a shame spiral, Um, and I think it's kind of, it's accessible, and I can also be funny about it, and so I was like, well, I should, I should start talking about it. Also, it's, it's a good way, at least for me, to, I mean, because people do, you know, people will say, well, you're flaking on me, or you... Like, you're just so inconsistent. And, like, for me, it's like, 
read this and then maybe know that this is why I canceled. Like, it's not because I'm a flake or a terrible person. I just can't do it. I'm like, rather than text you 1,400 texts, just read, like, chapter. I don't even know what chapter it is. Read the sad chapter and then, like, it'll give you some insight into, like, what I and what other people are going through. I want to go back to, because you mentioned having a job for 14 years. Yeah. And was that the job at the animal hospital? Yeah. Yeah, I started (laughs) in April of 2002. That's like a lifetime ago. I can't, I mean, and I just left last July. Does it feel so good? Yes, yes, yes. So, like, you don't stay someplace that long because everybody's terrible. But the we were talking on the way over about um, when you are working, because I don't think it's just the animal industry, but the service industry, because that's, you know, what it is. It's essentially facilitating customer service for a person and their mm. pet. <laughs> At the most... <laughs> At a stressful point in both of these yeah, animals. Yeah. It's, you are dealing with, a, there are a lot of people who treat it like the drive through or like the dry cleaner where it's like, here's this thing, check, check, check. And then you pick it up or they come to pick it up and they don't want to pay whatever it costs. Um, but also... Uh, there's were a lot of people with money and with like wild requests, but then you're also dealing with people who are so stressed. And I get it because like I have animals too, and I understand that it's a really stressful point. So maybe you're not thinking about the thing you're saying to this actual like beating heart and pumping blood mm-hmm. person that you know you're talking to. But it was just a lot of years of being, like, a receptacle for, like, people's <laughs> worst <laughs> behavior. And I really loved the job, but I'm really happy to n- – I'm happy to not be doing that. I will say that adjusting to, like, having writing be my job – I'm like, every day, I'm like, I should go apply at Walgreens to see if they need cashiers. Like, because I worked for so long that I don't, I do not like the feeling of not punching a clock, right? I like to know that they're, that's why I did all my writing on the side for so long, because it was like, this is fun, and this is nice that people, yeah, that people want to read it, but I, like, there's no ads on my blog, I make no money from that, that. because it was like, I could, I make money, so this could be, like, my fun thing. And you can say everything you want to say. Yeah, yeah, my boss was always, like, I think once he found out about it, when I started to get some press and stuff he was like oh you have a thing that you've been writing on the internet since 2008 and I was like yeah yeah work dad I do have a thing but like he was okay with it so then it was like well yeah I'm just gonna do this I'm gonna work at my job and have a reliable check from someone who's not me like I don't have to depend on myself to make like I don't have to hustle up you don't have to stand with a sandwich board being like come bring your cat to my place mm-hmm. you know like no matter what <laughs> I was gonna get paid and then I could still have my side thing but now I just am like 
every week I'm like this this is real this is a joke right because I come from people who work and I've always worked and so it doesn't feel real for somebody to pay me to write so I'm telling you I'm guaranteed I'm going to be like having some kind of side yeah, whatever job that like you know <laughs> like at the post office or something just because I am I, like, it's this uncertainty of, like, having a creative thing. Like, can you imagine, I mean, of course, can you imagine, though, like, having your brain be responsible for everything? <laughs> You're living, I do not like this feeling. I like to, like, punch in, <laughs> get a check, and punch out. So it's cool. It's cool, but it's it feels so weird to be away from it. And I did it for so long. I still wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I think it takes your body everything a while to adjust. Yeah. I keep, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, too. I keep waiting for, like, I don't know, for a person to be like, okay, this is cute. Put your computer away and, like, out you go. There's an animal hospital up the street. I signed you up. They're all ready for you. They've got your name tag. So I keep, I keep like, it's going to take me a while to adjust to, like, not. I told, I told him he could not take me out of the computer system. And I went back to visit in last October, or, like, October after I moved. Yeah, last October. And, like, worked a shift because I oh, just happened so to be in fun. town. I don't talk to a lot of people every day anymore. Yeah. And I used to, I mean, I would be at work from 7.30 to 6, right? And, like, just talk. It was a super busy place and just talking to people all day. And while, like, you know, a year ago I would have been, like, murder me where I stand. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know, I haven't talked to anyone other and my wife in like four days. Mm-hmm. That feels weird. Sometimes feels I'll weird go to, to a coffee shop and I'll, you know, when you find yourself striking up conversation and you go, <laughs> oh, I'm that person who's like, yeah. first it's like cloudy day out there. And then you go, oh my God. And then I'm like, I'm really going, giving you some bait. Yeah. Like, but there are two things that we have to talk yes. about. Yes, Okay. Because, I mean, there's so much more in your book, but, okay, we mentioned Fred and I want to go there and then I want to go to the strap-on incident. Yeah. Oh, Because because (laughs) it's so funny and just this transition from, like, loving a man so much and then Mm -hmm. kind of, I, I don't know. I'm just in an interesting place too. I'm like, should I open it up to everyone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're into it, yes. I think, okay, well, okay, I'm not going to go down my theories of how every woman's going to be a lesbian within 50 years, but I like probably. that. Um, <laughs> so, Fred, well, that's Fred is Fred's real name. Like, I wrote oh. about our real thing. Um, that, I think. I, when so when I met him, it was funny because I both he and Zach, who I also write about, that's his real name too. Um, I did not protect those <laughs> innocent people. Um, I think 
with both of them, I met them like, you know, almost 10 years apart. I was like, this is the, like this is the sort of archetype of a person that I've been waiting for. Oh, he checks off all of these boxes, and my boxes are always like you know reads books and like has heard of this you know underground rapper or what you know what I mean. It, it's it, like a bunch of arbitrary things. Like I never cared about like you know, house and car and this, because, like, like I said, I always had a job, so I was always okay. going to be fine anyway. I could, like, look for the, like, real meat of the person. And when I met Fred, I was like, man, this dude is real great. And then he also, like, had his shit together. He had, like, a house with a staircase. I'm telling you. I like, I don't want anyone to think that I was just, like, banging bombs, but maybe, like... I was like stairs in a house. So your name is on the deed to this. Like it was like wild for me. It was like my first time, like someone who like actually was real put together because I am often fake put together. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you've ever seen like that infographic floating around of like how to make your house look like an adult lives there and it's like put out a bowl of lemons. Oh like yeah, that. you know. And so like I'm good at all of that stuff. Like band aid. Yeah, yeah. But if you like open the oven, like all my dirty laundry is in there, like or whatever. So I I was like, boy, this is like a real. There was no bowl of lemons, but there was like a juicer that he actually used and like no one else lived there. I was like, there's no roommate. And you have, he has a guest room. I was like, that's not somebody's real room. <sighs> right. And you like kick them out for the weekend. So it was like, my head exploded. And I was like, this is real, real great. And then, um, I sort of had a, a misunderstanding about, whether or not we were only seeing each other. So that was our first little hiccup. I was like, oh, man, I look at these pictures he got tagged in on Facebook in Bermuda with some other lady. I mean, yeah, he probably went to Bermuda with his cousin, right? Uh, And no, he didn't. So, like, we kind of, like, slowed down. But then, like, it was so strong that we, like, brought it back together. And I... um, I am very much into people being honest about what they actually want. Mm. And, like, it's my worst nightmare to, like, wake up 10 years from now with somebody I lied to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm so honest in my work is because it is too hard to keep up a ruse for very long, right? Yeah. And so... I was I always think like man I should like really portray myself as more interesting but like you know the minute I it. do that then you're like hey do you want to see that new experimental play and I'm like what makes you think I would be into that and I'm like oh cuz I lied about yes. myself on the internet so <laughs> <laughs> um so he was super like we reached a point where it was like is this going to be like something like I had met some of his family and like I was like okay this is like a this is a real thing and then he was like well honestly I really want to have children and I want them to be my children and I was like yeah I I cannot do that also I Kids, I never, like, I enjoy them, but I never, 
like wanted any and like I'm sort of fine being like child adjacent yes which I currently am I feel like we're just two cars riding riding in parallel lanes like I'm like the kids are in this car and I'm over here and occasionally we cross at the dinner table but like you know I don't get to like decide whether or not they get vaccinated so I'm not mm-hmm. their parent I just am another adult in this house so he but he wanted a family and i i think like one of the most dangerous things you can ever do is either talk yourself into wanting what someone else wants or thinking you can talk a person out mm. of what he wants i i like almost tried right i was like i really could like make a case for why this sort of like artist community i would like to start that's just the two of us could work without children in it but i mean i was like no okay well if that's what you want that i can't do that and then and then i got mad because he thought like we could be friends and i in a rare feat of sort of emotional honesty was like you know i can't i can't like be happy for you yeah at least not right now while you're like on your wife search like I don't want to mm-hmm. like read about you going on dates so then we I was like see ya I'm never going to talk to you again then we ran into each other of course at like the coolest thing most deaf did a show with a brass band in this I mean this club that's closed now um, but like this like real dope place and of course I saw him there and I looked real good and he, as I wrote in my blog, looked like he was wearing his grandfather's sport coat. <laughs> I mean, I was really terrible to him. And then <laughs> then I decided, like, and a while had passed, and then I decided, like, okay, I'm going to, I care about him. I want to be his friend. And he had read what I had written about him. And he was like, oh, you want to be friends with somebody who wears his grandfather's coat? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm over it. Like, we can be cool now. And then we, like, slowly, like, put this friendship together. And we are st- we are still friends. We talk all the time. Um, It's, he is, well, I shouldn't tell his business, but he's not married with children, which I didn't even wish on him, which is probably why it came true, because I didn't wish it. Uh, <laughs> but I think, like, I am happy. It it that relationship to me was like proof that I could I was like really growing up mm-hmm. that I could go full circle and like come back around to like I do really care about you and I want you to do well and I want you to have what you want and it's okay that I can't doesn't make me less that I can't give yeah. you that doesn't make you more that you want something different than what I want and I think we're you are in a good place. I texted him before I came out of here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then how did you meet Mavis? Oh, I'm you, you using Mavis it. to keep her, I love to it. keep her fictional. I love it. Uh, she, I mean, she tweeted at me, which I hate tweeting. Like, I, I really, I am not good at it. I don't know how to, like, follow the threads. So, like, I don't know what people are saying, but I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to be better at it. I shouldn't say I hate it. I just, I follow too many people and then I can't ever keep track of, like, mm-hmm. who's doing 
what? And I don't have enough, like, I don't know. It It is a thing that is confusing to me, and I don't mind admitting it. But she tweeted at me, like, she had read the first book, and she was like, I really loved it. And I said, you know, what I say back to everybody. Like, it's some variation on, like, XOXO or thanks for buying yeah. it or whatever. And she responded to that. And so then I said something back to her. And she responded again. And I was like, okay, man, I do not want to have a public conversation. Like, you you can DM me, which really, like, saying that as an old-ass person was just like, oh, come on, man. Um, so she did. And then we just... Like, she was like, I'm a mom in Michigan. And I was like, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. But we just, like, kept talking. Like, we we moved it to text because the interface of Twitter, really, I couldn't get it. And then, um, like, we just kept talking. And I, like, one day was finally like, what are we doing? Like, do you want to, how far are you from Chicago? And she was like, I'm only a couple hours away. And my sister lives in Chicago. I'm going to come visit and we're going to go on a date. And we went on a date and she ate so much food (laughs) that I was enchanted. I love for people to really like get down on like their, like their favorite thing. And she really did. She, I was like, who is this? She's also like super tall and skinny. And she was like shoveling. She got huevos rancheros and was just like, I, she could barely talk. Inhaling. The bites were so big. And I was like, yes. Yeah, this is, this is my, this is my person. She's, we're very different. Like so different that I'm surprised that she likes my work. Like she's, I mean, we're different in many ways. One, she is, very nice, and she reads all the papers and all the stuff you are supposed to, like, read to be an educated person, and she's not just doing it for show, which is why I would be doing. Anytime you see me with a newspaper, somebody gave it to me, and it's a prop, because (gasps) I am not... reading it. Like, she, like, gets the paper and, like, reads each section, and I'm like, okay, ha-ha, I get it. And she's like let me just finish this article on Chechnya. And I'm like, oh, see, I'll be in front of the TV. So I still sometimes I'm like, I can't believe you are happy listening to me crack jokes all day. But I mean, she, she is. She also is very like, if you have a headache, she'll give you some lavender oil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, unless you apply that with a hammer to my head, Pass me the Advil. I mean, really, like, I think the most interesting thing about our lives is sort of watching, like, she makes her own deodorant and stuff. And, like, I mean, oh, people can't see me. I just made a death face. But, like, like, looking at our products intermingling and sort of watching the slow shift from... Mm. I make my own applesauce to everything we eat comes from the store. <laughs> um, she It's a real slow shift. She is definitely not uh, jumping on my train uh, as fast as I would like her to. But it's, I mean, it's been a real fascinating thing. Uh, I also, like, did not expect that that, that she was who I was going to, 
like I love that. Me. That's the surprise of yeah. things. Yeah. And because we don't have too much time, but yes. I mentioned Yes, yes. the strap on and I feel yeah. like people would be like you cannot leave us. But I would I was fascinated by the idea of being like I want to try this new thing and I want you to be happy and to be a real lesbian. Don't we have to try this? <laughs> I don't know where I got that idea other than just conjuring it up. Like, I think no, I would too. Yeah, no one ever said like this you ha- you can't get uh the smoking jacket that you get in the lesbian club until you get one, but it like it felt like a natural progression. Listen, I mean, I have a res- new respect for people who can do that. It's so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Like the the straps, it's a, I mean, it looks like jump ropes. Like when you, at least the one I bought, it just looked like a tangled up jump rope. And I was like, I'm too. I was like, I'm too stupid to even figure out how to get. I didn't practice. I mean, I didn't practice. I just thought I would be like, to, like make it funny and like you know do it all like in front of her. But I should have practiced because I like I think it had a little card in it with like. You know, like IKEA directions. Like it doesn't tell you, like pull this. It just is like a stick figure and like arrows. And you're like, what? Am I? <laughs> this doesn't work on my body. Um, we try. I also like didn't realize how much I was like. You know, if a dude could do it, <laughs> I can. Um, but you got to have like some lower back strength and like rhythm. It was, I think, the penis that I bought. It was a little too big, but like you know, I size. They say size matters. I. It was like it looked. So, it was like a unicorn horn or something, and like purple silicone. It. I mean, it, it, it was a valiant effort. It. I was like maybe two pumps, and it was like, nah, I'm not doing this any more and then but like she was all ready to go so I was like it's <laughs> like I mean I was like listen I'm gonna lay down and you climb on and do whatever you whatever do. you're trying to do and that was that was maybe like three minutes and I was like no we're just, we're not doing this ever again and then we I have not pulled it out again <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean I I didn't have a smooth entry into heterosexual sex and so I didn't expect that like age and time and maturity would make me like better like trying this new thing but it did not I was as immature and terrible as I was as a teenager oh my gosh I think this is the perfect place everyone of course you have to go out and buy we are never meeting in real life yes sam thank you so much this was really what a heavenly chat (laughs) i have really great this is what the book feels like if you enjoyed this you will be laughing out loud like this when you read it Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. For more about this interview and about Lit Up in general, visit us at thelitupshow.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lit Up Show. And of course, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.